1: Back to OKSIS podcast. Oh, you're going to say your name? My no? name is Mads. OK. Hi, Mads. I am Scout Sisters. I am the older sister of Mads. And we are sitting on this couch, on my couch today on a beautiful Sunday afternoon in San Diego. And we are in head to toe monochromatic sweatsuits. I mean,
0: I'm always in head to toe monochromatic sweatsuits, but welcome to the club, Scout. You like mine, don't you? I. <laughs> I like any and all monochromatic. Yeah, but this buzzers. one's a unique one. This is a unique, it's unique. Like
1: a, is it kind of like that waffle material? You, you look, know, you look like a waffle. You look like. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's correct. It you, looks like one of those throws that are like waffle print. Waffle print. You look like a a. <laughs> okay. I feel like something non-flattering is about to come out of your mouth. You look like a a Teletubby.
0: Oh, yay. That's wonderful. Ben
1: June always says, like he said, like this
0: sweatsuit, he was like, you look like um, an orange Teletubby. Yeah. Like a a
1: pumpkin. That's a pretty like burnt orange, brown. Terracotta. 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 Terracotta, I would say. That's the way to make a sweatsuit elevated by giving. Calling it it terracotta. Giving them, giving sweatsuits adjectives, descriptive adjectives such as terracotta or waffle like throw material. There it is. You know? Now it's elevated. Now it's chic. Now we're here. Yeah, it's not Teletubby land. It's terracotta land. It's terracotta.
0: All right. Shall we get into curving stations? Because we have such a. Informative and philosophical discussion to get into.
1: I'm really excited about this discussion. I feel like it'll be tantalizing. Oh! Dare I say,
0: scintillating. Oh. Oh. We oh, used to do word of the
1: day. We only did word of the week because you have this incessant need for others to think
0: like think I think that
1: you're articulate and have a high vocabulary, which I completely understand. After listening to Pod Save America and listening to Gia Tolentino talk, it is Gia Tolentino Gia Tolentino speak her vocabulary and the way she articulates. She's a walking
0: thesaurus. I it's (sighs) astonishing.
1: It's it's astonishing. The
0: the best part of that about and we're going to get into that. I'd reference that episode, but the best part is that John Favreau and Gia Tolentino, highly educated, prolific writers, thinkers. John Favro uh, doesn't
1: doesn't hold a candle next to okay. Gia Tolentino when she talks. Oh,
0: that was not what I was going to say. But, oh. um, what I was going to say was in the beginning they both talk about how they both have just had kids, have babies. Mm-hmm. So they're talking about how they can't think straight, how they're just, they're not gonna be able to form sentences or form thoughts correctly. And then they go into this like old like insane debate where they just sound like professors.
1: Yeah, and when when Gia speaks, it like is if that's your mom
0: brain, I don't know what the fuck my mom
1: brain no, is I don't going know. to be. Okay, so this podcast is going to plummet when you're pregnant Boy and trying bae. to speak on this podcast. Boy, um, but when Gia speaks, it's so articulate, but it's not forced. You don't think oh, no. that she's putting on a show. You you're just astonished that that is literally her her baseline. It's it is lyrics. her baseline. It's
0: lyrics. It's that prose. F- it's prose. It's like a poeticism that just like v- like vomits out of her. It's uh, uh, it's incredible. It's yeah, she's listen to her talking about. You know what? This is what I would love.
1: And then she a started podcast. out on a reality TV show. It just defies. It just defies the odds. I, what? Yeah, her um her second essay in her book is about how she was on a reality TV show when she was younger. What the fuck? I don't remember that. Okay.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, the thing I want. Okay, I'm putting this out there. Podcast with Gia Tolentino. We give her a topic that is completely mundane completely and we, stupid and, we and absurd mute. and we no and she just waxes poetic about the mundanity of the subject okay. so i'll give her i'll give it uh, an example a piece of dog poop no gia tolentino could talk like a social sociologist she could like a professor like a motherfucking professor like a Nobel peace prize winner just be like the color the she would be descriptive nope. she would understand the the desire the 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 nature of the dog and the impulses she would talk about it, i mean it would just it would i would i would, I would say it would be it.
1: more of like the philosophical metaphor of what it means of what it means for a dog to in a societal shit. context
0: great I'd love to hear it. Anyway, I love to hear it,
1: sisters. W- what we're talking about is that we're going to we. Wow, we are <laughs> going to be doing a deep dive into the internet, and that might sound basic or confusing, but don't you worry. It's definitely have, not basic. Well, I mean, it just sounds simplistic. Annoying. The internet, like what? What are you going to talk about the internet, right? But we are going to get into it because I feel as if we've been talking. In the last couple months about the effects of social media, about the fatigue of social media, and this is going to open up a bigger conversation about how the internet plays a role in our lives, where it's going, the aspects we don't like about it, and what we can do, or I don't know what we can do, but we're we're along for the ride. So anyways, let's do curve fixations first. Let's do it. I shall start. I just finished M. Rada's book, My Body. Yes, you
0: did. My body, my choice. Just, nope. That's not what it's that's called. That's
1: not what it's called. Just so called my body.
0: M Rada, You are welcome on the pod, whenever.
1: Yeah, so she reposted my photo that Ooh. I posted. I know. But did you did you DM her? I DM'd her, but she oh, never answered me shit. after that. I know. Because the DMs were open. I know the DMs Fuck. were open. I can follow up. Is it follow up? Just follow following up. up on this stand. If
0: she didn't see it, follow up.
1: Yeah. Okay, so anyways, I read her book. It is, I don't know, there's like maybe 10 or so essays um, regarding her relationship to her body as a model. It is a very, very introspective, vulnerable account of her relationship to how she, her, her relationship, I suppose, to power and how it relates to her body, her relationship to men, how she really acknowledges that, the power that she uses with, or the the way she uses her body to cultivate power is based off of the desire of men and men deeming her desirable. So it really, really goes into a little bit of the behind the scenes feelings that she has about her career. I feel as if there was a lot of loose ends, a lot of loose ends around the fact of, I felt as if she talked about the kind of more vulnerable and sad parts of her career. But I really also wanted to know how she feels as a whole about her career. You know, is she proud that she's a model today because she she, empowered? Is she empowered because she continues to model. And so I think that begs the question of if the modeling industry provided this much anguish and this much feeling um, disempowered in many ways under the veil of empowerment, does she still want that to be her career moving forward? I felt as if from the book, she wanted to go towards more of a writing career, but i that was the, my main question at the end. With all this information, which it doesn't have to be black and white, she can feel these things about the modeling industry and some of the unfortunate situations that she was put into as a model and want to continue in the industry. Um, I just felt as if it was a looming question because the pros weren't super super talked about she talked a lot about how she didn't feel great about being an influencer and posting things that made her feel like she was just an advertiser and like an advertisement for other brands and so there was a lot that she broke down that was unfavorable about her career and i just wonder how she feels about it as a whole and whether or not she wants to continue to pursue the modeling industry because it, i mean i think she is and how she feels about that moving forward in her career so yeah. it, it 10 out of 10 recommend absolutely beautiful oh, bravo so to emrata truly i mean I remember so Emrata and I are the same age. She grew up in San Diego and my high school boyfriend knew of her. I think she was a friend of a friend. And so I remember being a senior in high school and him saying, Hey, there's this girl. She goes to this high school near us and she did this. She's a model and she did this shoot. And it just really reminded me of you. I feel like the her vibe would really you would really appreciate it. She was nude, it was a gorgeous video, and he showed it to me, and I remember looking at her and Thinking at the age of 17, holy shit, this girl is going to be, she's going to change the world. There's something about her that it's just, yes, beautiful in her body, but there's something so captivating about Emrata when you look at photos of her and videos of her that go beyond her physical appearance. And so... Ever since I was 17, I've been following Emrata's career because I felt this kind of kinship towards her in the sense that she went to high school in the same neighborhood as we did, as I did. She started her career, and I feel like no one knew her, obviously, when she was 17. She became really big when she was in the Blurred Lines music video. So I have felt a little bit of a kinship to her and have always seen her as someone with deep artistic integrity. So. I am very, very proud of her for releasing this book. It is now a New York Times bestseller. Very well deserved. Ooh, mazel. And uh, yeah, highly recommend the book.
0: I am going to be stealing it from you as, yeah, I, uh,
1: as I leave this house. Which so I don't so do. Excited. I don't give books out, so return it. Uh, okay.
0: Um, I'm very, very excited to get into the headspace of Emrata. The headspace that we all should be in, you know? I mean, it's a sad headspace <laughs> at times, so I don't know. But Okay, my is fixation is um, a lot more superficial. Uh, I am obsessed. Actually, I'll, I'll take a step back. Sisters, you know that I have been a slave and a, a, loyal, a loyal consumer of the Glossier bomb.com. Rose flavor. Okay, I buy it just in bulk.
1: Glossier in general. Okay, but I'm saying
0: the rose flavor bomb.com is an essential, non-negotiable thing I just have to have at all times. It has to be – it just is. It is what it is. Now, I usually don't stray from the rose, but I was at, you know, best friend Brett. We all know best friend Brett. Uh, I was at her house, and she had the cookie butter cookiebutterbomb.com. From Glossier. And I was like, "Ah, eh, this is going to taste like lip smackers. It's going to remind me of that. It's going to be gross. This has changed my life. It feels like I'm eating cookies and I'm not. The
1: Okay. Okay. I I just have one critique on, okay. that, on that. And that look, bum? it's terracotta. Oh, it, it literally matches your sweatsuit. <laughs> and, and my nails. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm a terracotta. <laughs> nope. Nope. Well, oh, no. I'm turning to a pumpkin. Okay, good. It's post-Thanksgiving. Um... Is the fact that the only reason I've never gotten the glossy lip balm is because you have to put it on your finger and then apply it to your lips, which in my opinion is unideal mm-hmm. and not very sanitary in many ways. Like, what are you going to do? Pump gas and then, you know, put it onto your finger and put it on your lips? There's unideal. There's
0: something called
1: hand sanitizer that you could do in the interim. But like, I don't want to wash my hands every time I have to put lip balm on because I put lip so balm on like is, 30 times a day. This is,
0: this is you are correct in this uh, observation. I put it on my finger, I put it on the lips, and then I wipe it on any surface that is around me. And it's kind of disgusting. Like, like why don't they just put, uh, you know? So the thing though is, I know the Summer Fridays one does that, but I would, it's, I don't know. Is, uh, you could also put it directly on your lips, I'm sure. It's just like, it, it's better to smear it around with your finger. Okay. We're getting into logistical error here, but um, a product's
1: all about logistics and application. This is
0: true. This is, v- and also Glossier is very much all about the like
1: ergonomics of their products. Yeah. So, sisters, if any of you work at if Glossier, any of you work
0: at Glossier, <laughs> <laughs> let us know. We have that has literally
1: team. never worked for us in our one entire day. It will three just, years just of name, podcasting name
0: every single brand, and someone will have to work
1: from somewhere. Mm. So,
0: um, yeah, the Glossierbomb.com cookie butter.
1: Amazing. I love it.
0: Get it for Christmas. Okay. So
1: I know that we have an happy outline. Hanukkah. Okay. There we go. Oh, happy Hanukkah. It is Hanukkah. <laughs> um, so I know that we have an outline, but I thought we could open with talking about our first initial reactions and relationship to the internet mm-hmm. as far back as we can remember. So Let's do it. Which is kind of crazy because as someone who is three years older than you, those three years meant a lot in the time of the internet because... I remember growing up with...
0: Well, why don't we break it down by phases, and then we can kind of talk through the
1: progression of the internet. Okay, we want to talk about Web 1.0? We're
0: going to talk about Web 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. Sisters, if you have a pulse, if you are alive on the internet today, you've probably heard every fucking person talk about Web 3. Except me. I didn't hear that. Yeah, I know, because you're not really... You don't really have a pulse, you know?
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) Your literal toenails are terracotta. (laughs) I... This is too much. (laughs) This is this is I'm I'm now allergic to terracotta. I'm
0: turning it well, it's
1: the same. And you have nails. bronzer on, and you're only wearing gold, which I feel like yes, is a I'm terracotta turn, accent. I'm turning into a pumpkin.
0: I'm turning into a terracotta.
1: Anti-Halloween, pro pumpkin. Uh,
0: okay. All right. Anyways, so yes, you don't have a pulse on the things, so mm-hmm. that's why you didn't know about Web three. Now we're gonna talk about our relationship to the internet as it evolved throughout these stages. So for those of you sisters that don't know, Web 1 was basically when the internet started, okay? There was like static web pages. There wasn't really any interactivity yet. Um, and that was maybe pre-even AIM days. Like this was early, Yeah. Early. So
1: in elementary school, this was kind of the Web .0 oh situation for me. Web 1.0. Rem- web 1.0. Web, <laughs> web,
0: web 1.0. Oh. Okay,
1: so anyways, I remember in elementary school having typing classes because – Yes, because yes! The internet was so new. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. Did you retain that was like a fucking cackle? <laughs> Did you retain? any of the way you
0: should actually do you actually type the way you should Okay type? can
1: you give me the fucking floor for sorry, two sorry, seconds sorry. because that class was the highlight of my fucking elementary school. Okay. I was not athletic. I was not that great in school to be honest. I thought speed I was but typing? I wasn't you were a speed but typer? let me tell you about my <laughs> typing abilities. I took that class so goddamn seriously. I was the fastest typer in the class which I also want to point out that when I was twenty two I applied for the secretary job and I they put me through a typing thing and I <laughs> oh I can type over 120 words a minute. I am a, I am a typing supreme master. So, I am a terrible ty- so, typist. No, when you say, when you ask, like jokingly, you're like, oh, do you remember? No, I type by the fucking book. No. Yes. With the... yes i only
0: use my pointer fingers
1: okay well who can type over (laughs) 120 words a minute in this room me so anyways um yeah we would have typing classes and they would teach us the exact correct way to type which who who invented that and how quickly did they invent that so i think that was my first um what's the word (laughs) she's licking my phone that's my phone oh (laughs) she's gonna a tiktok she's gonna post a tiktok she's opening tiktok she's opening tiktok so that was my first you know recollection or memory of the internet was typing class and then going to uh, whitehouse.gov or something, which was a... Por- or a whitehouse.com, porn which was a porn site. Wait, so White... Oh, wait, I thought you were about the White House. Yeah, no, if you put in a different ending, it was a porn site. Oh, dear. And it was a God. whole thing when we were in fifth grade. But anyways, in this stage, we didn't have cell phones. I remember going with my mom to get a beeper. And it's pretty crazy oh to think God. about the fact that cell phones, by the time I got them, we were... I was like the first age group that got cell phones. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15.
0: Go ahead and treat yourself from luxurious skincare to meaningful self care. You deserve it. And the, and we had only flip phones. They weren't smartphones. No, they weren't even
1: flip at that time. They were like a block like this, and every <laughs> single key had A, B, C. Yeah, and then, yeah. Oh my god, you children, Gen Zers, who probably aren't even listening to this, but they will never know the <laughs> struggle. Yeah. About but anyways, to text with those
0: three fucking letters. Yes. <laughs>
1: Web 1.0 was not necessarily an interactive experience. It was going to no. like a storefront and seeing information. Sure, exactly.
0: So. That was pretty early on in our lives. I think, obviously, the biggest impact and th- what what we are living through right now is Web Point 2. Sorry. <laughs>
1: Web, <laughs> Web 2.0. <0. laughs> this is us trying to have a real conversation. This is us trying to be data analysts. Like, seriously, I thought this was going to be a really, really great no, episode. this is great. This is, <laughs> is going to be a great episode. I don't know, because you keep okay. cackling.
0: Web- <laughs> Web 2.0 is basically what we are living in today. So
1: things such as
0: podcasting, blogging, social media, social networking, social – everything that has to do with – The
1: key is that it's interactive at this point.
0: It's interactive. It's connected. But a key element to it and what is a huge difference between Web 2.0 and then what we are entering into, which will be Web 3, is that all of the social media conglomerates and like basically monopolies at this point – Facebook, Google, you know them all – they control our content, right? We – um, are kind of at their whim. We, we are at whatever power and and features and things, and they, they own our data. They own the content, basically, that we are producing. Whereas with Web3, the content creator will have full ownership, full control over what they produce. So it'll have a lot more emphasis on content creation. And that is because of, of uh, you know, conduits like blockchain. You can, you know, control the internet with NFTs and actually have like digital real estate and have a portion and own a portion of the internet, which is fascinating. But it also, you know, goes into a whole evolution of... Okay, let's go back to Web okay, 2. Okay, sorry, sorry, Let's web talk two. about...
1: So I think I have a very unique experience with web 2.0 in the sense that MySpace came around when I was in eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of the first age group, adolescent age group to be introduced to social media at a really, really prime cognitive puberty level. So MySpace happened in eighth grade for me. And so I clearly distinctly remember a time when there was nothing. And then all of a sudden there was a social media network. And I remember when I got Facebook in ninth grade, which is when things really, really changed in the sense that I remember being on Facebook for a couple months. I remember when it was only available for college students and then they opened up to high school and then I got invited and I got on it in ninth grade. And I remember very quickly after using it for a couple months, when I would log into Facebook as a 14 year old and I didn't have a notification or nobody liked my photo or no one posted on my wall there was no activity which is the whole point of web 2.0 I would not get the dope the hit of dopamine that I wanted and I would be sad and every time there was a notification I got really really excited and I started getting I remember being really cognizant of it I remember being so quickly addicted to the stimulation and the notification and the social validation that came from Facebook however the difference between how you and I grew up, grew up because you were not long after me, but I think that by the time you already entered into like a a realization that you were social, right? Because I think we become really aware of ourselves in middle school. Mm -hmm. This type of social media was already starting. So you kind of entered into that area of puberty with social media already kind of established. But what's interesting is that during that time frame, social media was not was not a social network where you knew strangers. There weren't strangers in your home feed. You were only friends with people that you were actually friends with in real life. So the images that you were seeing were not um, face tuned of models of people right. living in fucking Dubai, right? It wasn't a barrage of hundreds of thousands and millions of images on a daily basis of people that you did not know. You didn't follow people you didn't know. So yeah. you and I grew and you up also- with a social network, um, social media that was just basically your, your your, actual network. Your actual, right. actual network. Internal your network. actual physical network online. And the the
0: stuff we posted and the representation of ourselves was pretty accurate. similar and accurate to how we were in real life, which is completely evolved. I mean, we don't need to tell you. It's like it's just phenomenal how much we conceal and how much um, you know prep priming we do to make sure we look a certain way on the internet or Or like, you take perceived. 40 photos and you choose one. Right which like that wasn't the case back then. It was like this funny fun thing to do with your friends online and it was a very accurate pre- representation
1: of who you were for sure. Yeah so like Instagram you post one photo from the night. Mm-hmm. Facebook you would have a whole album. A whole album. And so you oh would just God, snap would do done, so. snap done, snap done and it wasn't this intense scrutiny of what you looked like in every photo like yeah. you and I talk a lot about how high schoolers today look so beautiful and put together. It's because they are getting information on how to look like that from so many which ways. Mm-hmm. And they're be- they're being given the opportunity to scrutinize themselves so significantly because the rest of the world is scrutinizing themselves on the Internet that they can then beautify themselves so much more than yeah. we ever had access to stuff like that.
0: It was funny. Even the other day, my dad's my, – our dad's girlfriend was like – yeah, your dad always sends me these random things. And then I I say, like, oh, who, who who's who is that? Or whose photo is that? And he says, I don't know. It's a random person on the internet. And she's like, Why are you looking at random people? And I'm like, Deborah, that is the whole internet. Like, whole internet. we all we literally all we are doing. And then I mean, I don't really even want to lump Facebook and like what has come what has evolved from like TikTok. I mean, even just that whole progression has been huge because now TikTok has introduced us to this element of you don't need to know anyone. <laughs> it doesn't it actually doesn't matter that anyone on this social media platform is your friend or you
1: know them. But you have to take it a step back further, okay? So you got to go you got to talk about Snapchat and stories first. So we went sure. from Facebook to having a social network that represented our physical network. Right. Then we went from Instagram, which that opened up the door to understanding and knowing strangers and like the influencer world started. Mm -hmm. And then Snapchat came out. So Instagram almost dialed back the content we posted on the internet because we weren't posting 30 photos from our Facebook album the night before. All of a sudden we were posting the best one, which created the highlight reel. And that was fine, right? You would post three photos, four photos a week. And that's really all people knew about you. But then when Snapchat came out, it gave everybody the ability to clench that need because reality TV started coming, becoming really rise. And all of a sudden, people were being followed by cameras and having their whole lives on television Mm. snapchat came out and gave us that same ability but in the power of our own phone so snapchat and then once instagram took that technology and created stories are you about stories or similar to reality now all yes now now all of a sudden our social media profiles went from us posting the four best photos of the week to us filming our entire lives and feeling as if we have that fame hit that reality television stars have 100%. 100%. And then TikTok. Now talk about TikTok. Because that well, was the video component. That started the video component. But
0: ev- even so, th- regardless of a video component, to me, the most fascinating part is that we're looking at strangers. N- yeah. Instagram the whole time was like, obviously, we you fo- but it's like who you follow. It's who you curate. And that's what Instagram thought people wanted. They thought, oh, you know, you only want to see people that you give permission to get to mm-hmm. consume, right? Whereas that was com- that was completely not the case. And TikTok flipped that on its head. And I don't know if it's for better or for worse. I, I can't really decide. But it is a completely different experience. I do not go on to TikTok to watch people that I follow. I go to discover new things, yeah. completely new people. Like, yes, there are certain TikTok influencers I like to go back and, and watch all their stuff. But it is such a different dynamic than any other platform, and TikTok could have been like the same thing. You follow someone, and it's just that type of content. But they made it so that it is we are literally <laughs> looking into strangers' lives more than we should ever
1: need to. Like it. Is. I mean, if you sit on TikTok for an hour, you can see probably over a hundred, way over a hundred, way two hundred people's. Stories. Lives. Or like, you know, yeah. E- a little insight into just people from all over the world. Why would you ever need to know anything? I mean, this? Instagram had that ability, but the, there was no way to discover people that quickly in that short of right. time span. Right. So, Like, no one's going on the Explore page and just scrolling. So I do want to talk a little bit about...
0: um. Our transition to the social media fatigue, which I think we we've touched upon this a lot, but I was just telling you right before we hopped on the podcast. I remember right before we started Okay Sis, so this must have been three and a half years ago, four years ago, we were sitting at Sugarfish, lol, and I, Not lol, <laughs> great
1: fucking restaurant.
0: I, I we looked at each other like someone we were with, I don't know, someone was talking about like, oh my god, social media is so bad, like oh my god, the like everyone is always talking, and we looked at each other, and we're like we have a very healthy relationship to social media like we we don't understand what people are talking about we don't feel addicted to it we feel like we're curating our feeds to be uplifting or it's it, maybe it was just so different back then and it wasn't as what it is but we didn't feel that sentiment that everyone kept saying like oh social media is bad it's ruining our our children whatever until <laughs> i think we transitioned to having OK Sis and treating Instagram like a business and going into that realm. It has shifted everything for me. And I, I wish... You know, I still curate my feed the similar way. Maybe it's just the content. Maybe it's myself. Maybe it's the because I have to treat it like a business and because I have to constantly be churning out shit, whereas before it was like something I did as a frivolous fun thing, whereas mm-hmm. now it's a consistent regimented uh, engineered for likes type of thing, which maybe that was the shift. But I also feel like people who aren't influencers or don't use Instagram as a business – feel this way too. So what is it?
1: So I think this is the conversation, that shift that you and I had. I think this is the next evolution that's carrying us into web three Mm -hmm. is the sense that all of a sudden the social media network that went from networking with your physical community to being exposed to outside of your community strangers and observing their lives is now being turned on us that we are being asked and it is almost like this prerequisite of society at this point to be economically successful to be successful in society is that not only are we now picking up on stimulation from everybody else, we're being forced to have a very, very specific identity on the internet. And so that's an spe-
0: opinion and a perspective and a
1: fucking everything. You need to have everything on there. Yeah. So that digital avatarness. Is unfortunately something that's stressing our system out because we've never had to exist in two places at once as human beings. And now you and I talk about it all the time. We really do have our in-person self and we have our online self. Okay. And you know, you we we are constantly thinking like, what do we show on the internet and what do we not? And I think you and I have done a really good job at not having so too m- much of a separation. Too much of a separation but that also comes with
0: consequences. Yeah, it's, it becomes very disorienting in your mind. Yeah. You don't know what's real, what's not. It is very strange. And so this is a good place to bring in um, the episode we were referencing in the beginning. So John Favreau from Pod of America started a new series uh, called Offline. And his first guest was Gia Tolentino. And we are millennials, so we stand Gia Tolentino. And if you've never read Trick Mirror, you're not a millennial. So this episode of Offline... She talks about this concept and she also references it in her book in the essay called, what is it? The Eye and Internet? Yeah, The Uh, Eye and Internet. Internet. Um, Okay, so it's sociologist Irving Goffman presented the idea that a person is like an actor on a stage. So the concept is you play a lot of different roles in your life. Mm -hmm. You are... You are a mother. You are a sister. You're a friend. You also are an employee. You are a manager. Whatever. You're a writer. You have all of these different identities and roles that you play with on a daily basis. And you know, in the morning, you're with your you're with your partner. You're a different person. You drive to work. You put on a role. You you are an actor on a stage where the role of employee at an office, and then mm-hmm. you go home and you're able to shed that mask. That is just the way society and our world has always been. There is an opportunity, though, at the end of the day to shed the mask. Social media basically basically says there is no shedding of the mask. The curtain never closes. The curtain never closes. You are an actor. You are a perf- you're performing 24-7, and that is – not not only exhausting it is not sustainable it is a it is a full-fledged trip to burnout because you just cannot have a moment where you are either not thinking about what you're going to post posting or even just or consuming there is a constant loop that just never ends is basically
1: yeah. what this theory is and there's so many things that come yeah. to mind like For example, just real quick, this is kind of a side note. You know, when I think about my team at Scouts Agency, I don't want people to come to work and be a completely different person Mm -hmm. than they are. I don't think being someone completely different from your nine to five is healthy. And yet maybe there is some, you know pros to there's always going to be you're always going to be a little bit of a different person but I want to diminish that performance as much Mm -hmm. as I can even though you can't do it all the way but as much as you can so that you feel at least a little bit like you're not performing there's just different sides of you per se but this really you know a couple images come to mind right how many times have you and I sat together and when me and Nads are together like Yeah, there are some funny moments where we're crazy and hilarious, but there's also some moments where we're just sitting there and being very dull. Mm -hmm. But we've sat here and been very dull and monotone and low energy and bored and just existing. And then you whip out the phone and all of a sudden we sit up, we perk up, we do our animation. And then all of a sudden, the minute it's done recording, we slump Slump back down down and sit. And it's this crazy thing to think about. But I also think that with not having, we're going through that growing pain moment, which is unfortunate in my opinion, that not ever having the curtain close is leading to the part where our digital avatar is going to be as ingrained as our physical self. And that
0: is basically what Web3 means. So Web3 will be this data-driven AI uh, you know the blockchain. Everything will be operating through those mechanisms, and it basically means that we have a digital avatar. I've been re- I've been seeing a lot of amazing TikToks that explain this in, in an incredible way. So like right now, we're in the world of the phone. Our phone is basically an extension of self, right? You can't. It's you, a limb. We've called it's it a, a limb. limb. Like. If you lost your phone, yes, you could survive, but you would not be able to be a participating member of society. Like you, you would go
1: through anxiety withdrawals for sure, for in for sure, beginning.
0: and everything. Everything you do is through the phone. You order a car. You order. You have to do this. You you uh, you check b- your bank account. You check your, your make bank reservation. You whatever. Every single thing is through the phone. So work, social, pleasure. Now, with Web3, he compared it to like, now we're going to have glasses. I mean, like, I mean, Google Glass tried to do this, but I think it came, obviously it came too early because Web3 wasn't, we're we we're in Web3 a little bit, but it's going to be completely um, organized around this, this, this uh, world, I guess. And the, the glasses is just going to be, we are going to be able to like be at a concert as ourselves and then look around and see our friends' digital avatars, but they're not going to act – like, they're not going to physically be there with us, but we're going to be watching a concert with them next to us type of thing. Mm. And, like, we'll be able to just – Google search something in the moment while having these glasses on. We'll be able to take a photo just with our eyes, basically. Like so it'll, it'll be cr- crazy
1: just, when it becomes content lenses, and then it's literally not even something it, you could take even off.
0: See, I know. And so it was funny because people, people in the comments are like, "I want no part of this," and it, that it's like you are already existing within it. Which and that kind of goes to our point. In that the just beginning. makes it more
1: convenient to do the stuff you're already doing. You're already Google searching. You're already right. Facetiming it's people in a concert. It's just make concerts. it
0: more. It's going to, yeah, it's going to make it a lot more digitized, streamlined to a degree that we can't even comprehend at, in, in this moment. And like the same way that the app store opened up, uh, I mean, uh, opened up industries, businesses, like uh, mm. businesses that we couldn't even like fathom. I mean, Camber, like that couldn't exist without the app store or an app. That is what Web3 will be basically provide for us there we can't even imagine the type of industries and businesses that will that will develop as of this but it's but it's still this crazy thing where we the opportunities have no are endless choice but yeah. to enter this space which is fine I'm always for technological advancements I'm re- I'm really excited to see what happens but what I hope what I hope what I hope is that while we are moving towards this we learn from what happened From Web Mm Two, while we learned that the the detriment to our psyche and the the and our mental health, like I really hope we only go into this next phase with um, an operation standpoint. Like this is great for our life efficiency and operations great it's gonna just it's gonna streamline and help us that was what web 2 was supposed to do that was what you know any type of technological advancement is supposed to just like benefit us but it hurt us so much See, more. Th- the
1: problem is if the phone is already a limb web 3 will be our heart Oh, fuck. We will we Web3 will integrate the human experience that we cannot yeah. live without technology. We will right. be so fucking dependent on it in a way that is so beyond what it is today. Right now, this isn't attached to us. Our yeah. phone is not attached to us. But pretty soon, yeah. I mean, think about it. Think about your identity on the internet as this co-host of this podcast. I mean, listen, As I'm saying all of this, me having a personal brand on the internet has opened up opportunities. And that's the whole point is that technically these things were built to open up opportunities. And the success of my business, the fact the way I make money, the way I find fulfillment, the way I find connection, the way I have a platform. Everything is based on the internet. And I think that content creators and those with personal brands within the business space are the first people to put our head up above the ground and say, wait a minute, this div- this digital avatar that Web3 is forcing everybody to create, we are in the trenches of it already and we are seeing the ramifications and the consequences of it. So we are okay, the so, first prototype. Okay, okay. So content creators, not we, content but creators.
0: I think what's going to be amazing is that there's going to be, um, there's a lot more respect and uh ownership that will be placed on content creators in web three they will have a lot more power and control which is amazing because right now it does feel like we are controlled by the forces that be at uh mark zucky and so we marky zucky so it's just it's it it, that i'm excited for because i think it will place content creators and like community managers and these types of individuals and leaders on in the internet as um as more in control which is which feels really good to me so i i posed this question Do you think there is a world where we learn from the ramifications of Web 2 on our mental health and we move into Web 3 with a more purposeful intention of this is going to just help us live more efficiently, but our mental health
1: will. No. Okay. You think our mental health will. No, because I mean, think about it.
0: Diminish as a result or increase?
1: We take Web Web 2, right? And we think about all the consequences. Web 3 solution, add more tech. Become more dependent. Right. There's Make it more seamless. That's actually not... That is not the answer to our problems. Right. So it's actually making us more dependent on technology and our digital persona and our digital online footprint. Yeah. So Web3, while it might have good intentions, it's actually just asking us to increase our dependency on the things that are making us totally fucking crazy. I have a question for you. Okay. Where does podcasting come into all of this? Because... This is why I personally love the podcasting medium so much is because you and I, this is the most real and in-person interaction that we can have that will eventually digitally represent us. Because right now you and I are sitting in a room. The only thing that is... Maybe not a uh, representation of real life is that there is a performative aspect because we know we're on a microphone, we right. know we're being filmed. And right. so that big brother aspect that they're always watching us and you always have to be on is super present in this room. Mm-hmm. And yet, you and I are sitting here and having a conversation that one, we would never have mm-hmm. if we didn't concentrate this time and put it aside. And two, it is the most uncurated type of content on the internet. So, but when I think about podcasting, I'm like, it's not a social media app. Because because there's no there's no interactivity, which is the point of web two. So it's almost like a digital broadcast of a real yeah. moment. So what I think is the content itself will not shift.
0: We will always be this like the, no, but the actual, how do you think it's of the distribution
1: that's going to change. But how do you think about but how do you I'm I'm asking, how do you think about podcasting as a content channel within the bigger scope of is it social media? Is mm-hmm. it what is it? Because it's not social media, it. But it is content.
0: Yeah, I mean there's no interactivity. We've always talked about this, and actually, I did just see this platform. I should have looked it up before this. That is doing exactly what we've been saying for years, Scout. Where
1: creating a social media channel. Qu- creating a social
0: media channel where you can comment on an episode you can comment and like specific parts kind of like soundcloud mm. you listen to it you can like clap at one point so that you can actually get real-time feedback from your audience and rather than going to fucking instagram and geneva uh, uh join our community center and I, I, tell us what you think but yeah it is it, it they are there are platforms that are trying to solve that because like apple podcasts but and do Spotify, we want them to solve it I personally would love if we could hear from our audience in real time on an episode and, and understand and be able
1: to, rather than going externally to a third party. I mean, I don't know. I used to think that too. But I think the beauty of this platform is... Is that we don't get any... We only get bad podcast reviews. We don't get like bad reviews in the, we in the moment. we say that, but we've had like barely any bad podcast reviews. Yeah. But I mean mostly that we always say how we don't know who actually listens to us. We just see a number. And that actually might be better for our psyche. Maybe. If we had constant constructive but criticism or not constructive criticism, just shit... For every little minute of our podcast episodes, but it's not good for a
0: community based. Uh, content, which is what we do. It's not, We would not be able to connect individually with our community yeah. if, if it was just a, bl- a blanket number and we didn't have any other outlet to, to congregate Maybe with each other. we
1: have the best of both worlds that Maybe. we can get on this mic and do this and then the people who really don't. feel a kinship to us join our Geneva Community Center and we have that space just for community building. Okay.
0: Look, I don't know. It's just I, interesting to think but about. But I do think that that realm of the in real time there's going to be like an algorithmic sense to all of this like every like we're going to be able to search certain audio clips and files and be and it's going to be all organized cataloged you'll be able to search for something pull here pu- it's going to be it's going to be like we don't we can't even fathom what it's going to be but every piece of content is going to be like that it's going to be one giant Search engine that Google could never.
1: Google could never. I also think there's that other part of the thing of that, you know, how we're always looking into strangers' lives. Yes. I think people who are, you know, we have a community, but I'm talking about, which also plays an effect on our psyche, but and our confidence. But I think people with, you know, hundreds of thousands and millions of followers on Instagram. I don't know if they're able to, you know, I think that's why fame really hurts people in the traditional sense of celebrities, because the amount of people that know them, that have an opinion on them, that expect something from them is so debilitating. I don't think our minds on a mass scale are able to wrap around the fact that x amount of people know our lives and depend on our content or mm-hmm. have an opinion or expect things from us. I think that's also a really really difficult. It's a difficult burden to bear. It truly is. It's it's very it's it's a lot of pressure.
0: It, yeah, you're 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 so true in that where if we are moving into a web3 that is more focused on content creators, then we need to have parameters, we need to have some sort of Script for how we communicate with one another, and and
1: like community <laughs> limit, guidelines, on
0: limit the haters. It is going to yeah. be, especially if we're go- moving into the space where content creators are going to be king. Like then, you, we need to have parameters over how to treat one another on the internet. It's just it's going to become utter chaos if if content creators actually have control.
1: I mean, it is, in my opinion, I feel the utter chaos quite significantly every single day. I feel like since the pandemic, the amount of hate and tearing down and judgment and negative remarks on the Internet. Yeah. The, how the, do, how, the, how no, will that sort of be surveillanced
0: in Web3? I, there are, I don't hear anyone talking about that. It's
1: how the trolls, and I don't even want to call them trolls because I don't even think they're trolls. I think they're just like genuine regular people at this point, like just regular people on the Internet feel entitled to the content creators of the content that they consume. They feel entitled that mm-hmm. that, that person acts, says does, believes in, and supports everything that they want them to. And when they don't, there is such a jarring disjointedness that they go fucking crazy and project their opinions on this person. And they feel as if they almost, again, have this entitlement towards the content creator to behave and be a certain way based off what they expect from them. Mm-hmm. And that's where, that's where the hate is coming from in the sense that Maybe because the internet and social media is so addicting, we've become addicted to the people's content that we consume in their lives. And so when they do something that doesn't feel formulaic to us or doesn't fully fit into their brand pillars, Mm -hmm. it creates our mind into total chaos. And we feel as if they've let us down personally. Oh, 100%. Which is such a fucked up situation. I think
0: something that we need to move on to and that, I mean, one, this conversation is going to be ever-evolving. It's going to continue yeah. for – I mean, I was joking because like every fucking, you know, intellectual newsletter that I subscribe to, every – there hasn't been one that I haven't opened up that it doesn't talk about Web3. It's like the – it's like the hot topic right now, but – what I would love is for us to bring on someone to OKSIS, okay so, uh, someone that is very involved in this conversation, ha- has a lot of knowledge about this, and talk specifically about what does Web3 mean for mental health, for the safety of content creators, if content creators are going to be at the the like nucleus of all of this. like What are we going to do to protect them? What are we going to do to uh, lift them up and, and support them? But then also, yeah, the mental health, I think, is really important because
1: For for just users of Web3. Yeah,
0: like Web3 is boasting this, you know, more intelligent, more connected, more open websites, more open spaces on the Internet. But where does the just like parameters where boundaries did did we learn i want to know if we learned anything from (laughs) from web 2 that we're moving i haven't heard anything about like where are we dropping off the things how are we going to just let go of things that didn't serve us in web 2 i don't know where that
1: conversation is you make such such an excellent point and i think it's because i mean one amazing, amazing insight into the, what the conversation needs to be. Yeah. And I think that question should be posed a lot more. And two, I think it's because the world moves so quickly that I think we're seeing the negative effects of web two like in its full expression. And I don't even think we're at the fullest expression this year. Yeah. Like I would say oh, even yeah. in the last like five months. Yeah. So it's I think so quick. Talk, like just, the, I, it's, Yeah. The consequences are, have just been so apparent so quickly that we don't even know what to make sense of. I mean, listen, this... I, I wanna get a little meta ish here. I know that we're meta. I know that we're talking on a on a Metaverse. platform and a microphone that has given us our career and has given us so much fulfillment, has given us you sisters, which yes. the, the community Insane. is like the women we've attracted are incredible. And at the same time I wanna be really careful and knowing that if this is what I wanna do with my life, which it is, I just wanna make sure that I can deal with all of the crazy negative consequences that have erupted because of the way we treat digital avatarness on the internet me included and so i'm wrestling existentially with who am i in real life and who am i on the internet i talk yeah. about it all the time to you like Who am I in OKSYS? Is that the best representation of me offline? How do I make sure online I'm all, you know, the whole 360 multifacetedness that we've always promoted here on OKSYS? But sometimes I feel as if in the digital avatar world, multifacetedness doesn't work with the algorithm. So it's the most, it really is the most confusing thing. And I I just want to preface that this conversation is has nothing to do with, you know, shitting where you eat, which is, you know, or, you know, biting the hand that feeds you because it's not that. It's how do we continue to have these conversations and promote the beautiful vulnerability and and intimacy that this podcast brings you and me and brings all of you sisters listening without, as you said, by leaving at the door the negative consequences and pressures and nastiness that Web 2 has brought us today. Yeah. I mean that makes a lot of sense. What you just said about
0: how do we bring our three because we're still struggling with, struggling with that now is like how do we blur those lines um, of the what we were talking about in the beginning that role theory of you know you you go to work you have a role you da 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 any interaction relationship you're in you have a specific role but then okay when you're alone when you're when you're stripped of it that is your true authentic self but it's like what if what if we want to express yeah the the, the thir- what if we wanted to express that true authentic self all the time is that yeah. is that just dangerous like is that not is that just not sustainable it's like
1: yeah it's dangerous it's dangerous because society uh, demands us uh, of us a certain code a yeah. certain you know mannerisms sure a certain, there's you know you can't walk into the middle of the street and scream bloody murder and expect everything to be fine okay well that's not my true authentic self well so. you well, you know what I mean but like. You know, yesterday I was in CVS with my husband. And you can't, like, fart just randomly, <laughs> you know? But you know, <laughs> That's what I do when I, I mean, <laughs> I'm alone. Even the idea, and I think this really trips people up, and I was wondering why it does. I was in CVS with my husband yesterday, and a good song was playing, and I was in a really goofy mood. Mm. Silly, goofy mood. mood. Silly,
0: goofy mood. And yeah, I my favorite rare form.
1: I was just dancing around CVS. My husband was definitely not dancing because I think he'd be embarrassed by it. But it's so crazy to me that that's how big societal pressure is, that even the idea, which is why I love you so much, Mads, because you will literally dance with me in public anywhere. Yep. But the idea of even dancing in public is too much for people. Yeah. Like the eyes on them and the judgment from them is just too much to handle. And breaking free from those societal constraints in a healthy way, like dancing and expressing extreme joy in public should not be something that you're afraid to do. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, I think the podcast has helped us to <laughs> kind <of> break out <laughs> and break down those shells. But wow. What a, this just, this sparked so much, so much in my brain and yeah. it is it, giving me a lot to think about. Cause I, I still want to become really educated about this. I've been, I've been, I've been reading a lot about it because my newsletters—they're giving it to me. And they're like, let Just okay. So, and it's all over TikTok. So, I've been learning a lot about it, and it's—it's it's extremely fascinating to me. I've always been a tech enthusiast. I love learning about it. So. I think we should really continue this because maybe we could have, Scott. Maybe we could be the ones that that pioneer the mental health movement into Web three. Into Web three. We we start the conversation because this is ridiculous. I just it really does seem like whoa whoa whoa. Okay, this is amazing. This is phenomenal that we're gonna be able to live life so efficiently yeah, like, like this. I think it's amazing. I'm ready for. it. I'm excited. I just want to make sure we fucking learn. <laughs> yeah. We uh, take a step back, we learn from our mistakes, and we can yeah. progress even
1: more. More beautifully forward. Yeah. You we want Web3 I mean? to be a success. We want it to be w- a sex success. Web3. We're
0: rooting for you, Web3. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. We're on your
1: side. Also, what a beautiful episode, too. You know, sometimes I always wonder if someone comes to OK which episode do they listen to? Because oh, we really go all over the place, okay. man. Like, I can't. You know, like last episode, oh, I'm wait. talking about I don't want to say it's, on. you know, Jake Hall <laughs> and Pete Davidson and Kanye West and whatever. And then this episode, we dive deep philosophical. into philosophical. Our existential (laughs) struggle of our digital avatarness. So, anyways, I love you, man.
0: We we hold multitudes. We do. You and I. We have always promoted the multitudeness of the woman. Of the female. Of the person Of in the general. person. So anyways, sisters. Also other people have multitudes. This is true.
1: Yeah. Other, you know, the other <laughs> sex. The others. The other sex <laughs> has multitudes. Anyways, sisters, we as always are so honored that you are even a part of this ride with us. Um, a beautiful free way to support OKSIS okay is to leave us a rating and review it really really makes our day and helps us more than you know and you know where to find us on instagram i'm at scout sobel mads is at maddie mayo and together we are at ok podcast
0: love you sisters